You're listening to Toe the Line, a podcast by me, Taylor Cleland. Here at Toe the Line, we're talking all things rugby union with a few other sports thrown into the mix, like league, motorsport, tennis, you get the picture. All while pushing the boundaries and making the world of sport more inclusive. I'm ready to use my voice to make impactful change in this world and I hope you'll join me. So let's Toe the Line together. Hey team and welcome back to Toe the Line. We're on episode 5 which is just insane to me. Um, Five weeks in, going strong and I'm so grateful for each and every one of you who are tuning in each week. I'm yeah, very grateful, very honoured that you're willing to listen to me blagger on for about an hour. (laughs) Um, But before we get into it, I do want to say at the end of this podcast I do have a really exciting announcement um something that I am doing tomorrow as so it's Monday as you guys know I record on Monday so um tomorrow I am doing something very exciting so if you wait until the end of the episode then um I will let you guys know what I'm doing and what you can look forward to but yeah very excited for that but how are you guys I hope you've had a great week I hope you had a great weekend again lots of exciting sport on the weekend obviously there was the world cup uh rugby world cup that was obviously still going we've got one more round of pool play which we'll get into near the end of the episode um obviously the NRL grand final was on what a game that was I will say I didn't watch it but I've watched the highlights this morning and yeah, what a game, we'll get into that, and then the AFL Grand Final was on as well, which again was really cool, I watched a little bit of that, I just have to say, watching AFL, when you're so used to watching games like NRL and um, Union and all that sort of stuff, watching AFL is probably the funniest thing ever, if you hadn't watched it, I would highly suggest you watch some, watch some highlights, because it is just, I just find it so funny. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh because like it's a really popular sport but just how they play the game and then how the referees like throw the ball back into the field and everything and yeah such a bizarre sport to watch especially if you're not used to it but um yeah I watched a little bit of it and it was actually like quite entertaining um so I, I actually do really want to get into watching AFL so maybe I will do some research over the off season because obviously they've just had the grand final and then come next season hopefully I will be a fully fledged supporter <laughs> um what else happened over the weekend? I think those are like the three main things that happened over the weekend. Bathurst is this coming weekend. I am so, oh my god, I cannot explain to you how excited I am about Bathurst. For those of you who don't know, Bathurst, the Bathurst 1000 is like a supercars um, race. It takes like six hours and I'm glued to the couch for those six hours. And yeah, what an exciting weekend it's going to be full of sport which is always very exciting but I'm getting ahead of myself guys what do we do at the start of the episode we do the pod the little we do the podcast question of the week and this week I wanted to because we we kept a theme of uh, the rugby world cup that I wanted to kind of revisit a question that I asked my community on Instagram before the Rugby World Cup started, before any games were played and kind of, I think it was like in that week uh, before the World Cup where all those warm-up games had been played, I asked you guys who you thought was going to win the Rugby World Cup before the World Cup even started. I wanted to revisit this question this week because I think we've seen, like I said, we've got one more round of pool play 
a lot of the big kind of pool play matches have happened and I think it's always interesting with tournaments like this you get through you're near the end of pool play and sometimes people can have change of hearts when uh, they thought something was going to happen near the end of the tournament but now that we've seen all like the games being played I was really interested to hear people's opinion on who they thought was going to win the Rugby World Cup so question of the week in simplest form was who do you think is going to win the Rugby World Cup and then I kind of added in saying, you know, you know, games have been played. We've seen a number of like the major games in this tournament. Knowing what we know now, who do you think will win the Rugby World Cup? And as always, you guys pulled through with some great answers. So let's just get straight into it. So first question for who do you think is going to win the Rugby World Cup and knowing what we know now is... Hopefully all blacks. We don't have a great side at the moment, but we have the heart to go all the way. To which I replied, oh, I love this take. What do you think needs improving in our AB side? And this person has replied, probably the breakdown, I reckon. And got to work out how to speed game up against the teams trying to slow it down, bringing ruck back so they can't lie all over our side of the ruck. Interesting take. I love this one. Again, I really love when I can go back and forth with you guys and discuss your takes. I think it's really interesting. And for me, I find it interesting because it gives me more opinions. I really love hearing other people's opinions. And I think with this one, hit the nail on the head, especially in games like South Africa. Um, I always go back to South Africa when they say slowing down the game and everything because South Africa are just notorious for slowing down the game. But um yeah, I really agree. I think in games where the opposing team is able to slow our game down, we really struggle. And I think it's something that we, <laughs> I say we as if I'm in the team, but I think it's a thing that the All Blacks really need to work on and trying to stop that opposing team from slowing down the game, if that makes sense. But on to the next answer. Next answer I got was France and I said you think so? I'm curious why and I was curious because France have lost a couple of their star players, one being Antoine Dupont uh, and this person's replied it's a very long story I've got hours worth of reasons why over on my YouTube channel there's also the way that sorry there's also the way that Ireland are reminding me of the England women's team from last year taking a huge win streak into the Rugby World Cup so this uh, reply was actually from a guy called The Black Jersey. He's got a YouTube channel um, and he's also on Instagram. He's really cool. His knowledge far exceeds and outweighs the knowledge that I have on the game. He does such an incredible job at analysing games, not just for the Rugby World Cup, but he does a lot of the Northern Hemisphere stuff as well, which I found really interesting. So if you want another YouTube channel to go and follow, make sure you go check him out because he, yeah, like I said, his knowledge on the game and the competitions is just great and I'm really and I'm really impressed with the work that he puts out he's really cool as well and um, I'm hoping to get him on the podcast at some point so stay tuned for that um, next answer I got for who do you think will win the Rugby World Cup knowing what we know now is Ireland and she, this person said I hope not though I really hope it's the ABs and I said yeah same here why do you think Ireland I'm always so curious to hear people's reasoning and they said I think to play South Africa and beat them they've got their style that works for them and they seem tough like galvanized together I agree with this when to be fair in that South Africa and Ireland pool play game I did not expect Ireland to win obviously I knew that they were world number one I didn't expect them to win that South Africa game I think because in that Walnut game at Twickenham 
with South Africa and the All Blacks. I don't know, there was just something about the Springboks team on in that game that not surprised me because I knew that they had a strong side and I knew they had a strong team and I knew that they were really working well together. But I think in that game that Twickenham I just they just looked unbeatable and unstoppable I don't know how else to put it I just really think they looked really strong they put really they put they looked really put together sorry and I don't know I just think yeah it was a bit of a shock to me that Ireland won however in saying that Ireland have been playing really well and like they've won the three um the triple crown and everything and I just I don't know why I didn't think Ireland could win that game but yeah definitely an interesting take and I think it will be really interesting to see what happens in that quarterfinal. But we'll get into that. Anyway, next answer we have for who do you think will win the Rugby World Cup, knowing what we know now. Um, another person has said France. And I said, you reckon you're like the fourth person to say France. And they've replied saying, they've been one of the form teams leading up to the World Cup and know how to make the final. I hope they win in front of their fans. I think I said this in like my first or second episode. And I said... France have obviously been France have obviously been targeting this World Cup for a while now. I would I would go start to say even longer than the four year period before this World Cup. Obviously it's their home tournament. You want to win in front of your fans and I just think yeah, they would have been targeting this tournament and they're playing really well. They've had some really good games in the last couple of years even. They've lost this a couple of star players, like I said, but I think regardless I think it will just I think France I think people don't think France can win but then I think there are people that do think they can win if that makes sense and I think maybe people might underestimate them but um, we shall see. Next answer we've got is All Blacks and they've said they think they can have an outside chance. The team's confidence is growing and they take Ireland by surprise in the quarters. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that we or the All Blacks are going to be facing Ireland in the quarters at this point. Do I think it's going to be a really tough game for the All Blacks? A hundred percent. Like I said, Ireland are number one in the world. They've won the Triple Crown. They are on a roll. I think they're on like a hell. They're on like a pretty big win streak. I think it's like twelve or thirteen games at the moment. And yeah, I just. I think it's going to be a tough one. Do I think the All Blacks can beat them realistically, like in the bigger scheme of things? Um, I I want to. I feel like I should say yes, but also I just don't know. I don't know if we can beat them. If we played like we played against Italy in this past weekend, which again we'll get into, then I think we've got a pretty good shot at beating them. But if we've if our discipline goes out the window and if we are struggling with the speed of the game and all that sort of stuff and don't get to play our own game and don't adapt to the referees and don't adapt to how the other team are playing, I don't think we can win. But again, if we play like we played against Italy, then I think we've got a good shot. Next answer we've got is Ireland, and this is what they've said. For years we have beaten the Irish for every tour they have been down under and on their own turf, and we have done that for so long that it's become second nature. And now it's become the norm up till COVID. The Irish are one of these teams that have endured and suffered defeat against other Tier 1 teams such as New Zealand, but haven't learned why these 
they've lost these games till post-COVID in brackets 2021. Since then, they have won the Triple Crown, won their first ever series on New Zealand soil, and all of a sudden they are darlings of world rugby. This has been years in the making. Even O'Driscoll and O'Gara didn't predict this. This is the first time Ireland have been in a position where they have been ahead in rankings prior World Cup. I've got more genes from this person, but I just want to touch on this first DM as like an answer as a whole because I really do agree. I think, and I replied later on to this DM saying that I think a number of teams are still underestimating just how good Ireland are. I think Ireland have put themselves in a position where they have so many elements that are weighing in their favour. For example, I think they have been in a position where they have been losing but now they've been winning because they've they've researched and done sorry they've done their research on these teams that they've been facing and it's been working in that they've studied these games so hard to the point where they just know what that other team is going to do if that makes sense I also think we haven't seen the best of the Irish team at least in this tournament I haven't followed them too closely pre-World Cup obviously I've watched like a couple of games here and there but I don't think we've seen all the tricks in the book that they have with that Irish team I think they've still got some things up their sleeves that they're going to pull out that are going to completely kind of take these their opponents by surprise which is why I'm concerned for the All Blacks in the quarterfinal because yeah I just I don't know I just don't think we've seen the best that Ireland have to offer yet which is scary because they've been playing really well and I think yeah I don't know I just I just have like this gut feeling that that the Irish team still have more to offer and still have things up their sleeve that they haven't used yet and have been keeping close to their chest but let's move on to the next DM um the the so I replied and then I said I said some I said something about me being slightly concerned about maybe how other teams are underestimating the Irish team and they've replied I I agree with you it is concerning and worrying that they could be a potential rugby powerhouse in the years to come joining England I wonder that too because it's sad to think that other tier one teams underrate and underestimate them because they have always been viewed as the rugby world's version of the Southland Stags in brackets yes I'm using an NPC analogy because other teams, including New Zealand, don't see them as a threat, but now they are on the rise, creeping up the rankings, and we're all thinking twice about our game plan because they've done their homework and we're now starting to take them seriously. They've seen the gents in every team's armour and they're using it to their advantage. They're getting smarter with their set piece, they're more clinical with the execution and more dominating at the breakdown slash scrum. Your intuition is correct. We should be very wary of what the Irish can do and by my reckoning we will meet them in the quarterfinals, no doubt about that. <sighs> yeah, so this was the message I was talking about in relation to me feeling like the Irish are holding things back from us or like holding things back from the world in terms of what they can do with their game I think they've been very smart I think I'd be pretty confident in saying that the Irish team at the moment are probably one of the smartest teams in world rugby um I couldn't tell you exactly why I think that I just do I just think there's something about that side that I think they just have the x factor at the moment I really do think they just have the x factor they've got incredible players in this side they're gelling like when you watch them play they play together so well they 
I feel like they just know what each of their players are going to do and are there to follow suit and I think it's been well rehearsed and so that's kind of where my worry or wary lies with the Irish side because I think they could really go all the way. Um, then we've got a couple of ones saying um, All Blacks, Ireland. And then so I've got this uh, one here. I, she said, I think to play South Africa and beat them, they've got their style. So she said, um, so she first, at, so at the start of the Rugby World Cup, she thought that South Africa was going to win. And then she said, yeah, I initially thought South Africa until Ireland beat them. So it would be good to see how go- so it would be good to see how it goes in a couple of weeks' time. And that was in... Um, obviously relation to last game and pool play and then quarterfinals I don't think I can tell you guys how excited I am about quarterfinals I think the quarterfinals and then quarterfinals through to the finals are going to be some of the juiciest rugby we've ever seen um but to round out the question of the week for knowing what you know now who do you think will win the rugby world cup we've got (laughs) someone said unfortunately not Australia but I can't imagine anyone thinking they would anyway and then she's so she sent another one saying that she thinks France will win yeah somehow I don't think Australia will be winning I don't even think they're gonna make it out of the pool but all in all I think Australia will be fine everyone just don't panic I think Australia will be fine here's what I think about what Australia are doing and what Eddie Jones is doing. I think Eddie Jones is a genius. Has he done well at this Rugby World Cup? No, he's not had that much time. Um, I think he chose a relatively young side. I think... Do I think do I think he thinks that he could have won the World Cup this time around? Probably, because that's just Eddie Jones. He's very optimistic, I would say. But I think he chose a younger side because... He's obviously, so he signed a five-year contract, five-year deal, and I think he'll be targeting that 2027 Australia Rugby World Cup in 2027. I just said 2027, but anyway, (laughs) I think he'll be targeting that one. I think he chose a young team because he wants to nurture these young players through the next four or five years so that they are ready come 2027. When does Eddie Jones never not have a plan? I think Eddie Jones has had a plan from day dot when he signed that contract and I don't think he'll be wavering from it or straying from it. Like I said, I think Eddie Jones is a genius and yeah, that's that on that. But that was the podcast question of the week. Right, moving on to the Rugby World Cup. Like I said, we had our second to last round of pool plays this past weekend. The main game that I watched was All Blacks vs Italy. I'm not going to lie, I was pretty shocked with how big the points gap was with this game. I did not think the All Blacks would put that many points on Italy. I think the final score was something like, 96-3 or something anyway we'll get to the final score but yeah I thought it was quite shocking in my opinion how many points New Zealand put on Italy I think yeah the, sorry the final score was 96-17 which is a massive points gap um but yeah anyway I was shocked I don't really know what else to say the first try was by Will Jordan after a beautiful cross kick from Geordie Barrett and that was in about the I want to say like fourth or fifth minute and when that first try happened I was like okay like we're gonna play well I just thought you know that was a good try it was a beautiful try in the corner by Jordan and when that happened and when I saw how kind of that 
play came together really nicely. I was like, yeah, we, we're going to do quite well in this game. Did I think we would win by 96 points or get 96 points? Definitely not. But, um, I actually got a penalty goal just before 10 minutes in after Artie didn't release in the tackle. And when that happened, I was like, mm, are the cracks starting to show? Were they? No. Knowing what I know now, obviously they weren't. But that was like an early kind of sign where I was like, oh, maybe we are going to have issues with discipline. Bearing in mind, the discipline throughout this game was really low for the All Blacks, which I was quite shocked about because bearing in mind, they'd just come from like a 12 penalty conceded game two weeks prior against none of um, then Bodhi overcooked the kick from the restart, which I also thought was interesting. But that third try, Adi took such a beautiful line. And I, I can't put any videos up because I got copyrighted last time. I think World Rugby are not liking that people are using um, their video content, which is interesting because you'd think it would come under fair use. But anyway, that's a topic for a different day. But yeah. Artie took such a beautiful line on that third try, um, and then the support, the support play, sorry, was great, but that, but the elusive play from Mark Talia really finished it off for me. I think if you, I think if you watched the Super Rugby competition and you watched Mark Talia in the Blues, he, it's like he had like Vaseline all over his body because no one could get a hold of that guy. Every time he got the ball. No one could seem to take tackle him or take him down. He was just that slippery. <laughs> and I think I hadn't seen that sort of play from him all international season. Up until this game against Italy, I saw that slippery, elusive play that we were so used to seeing with Mike Talia in Super Rugby. And it was just exciting to see. It, was just, it just felt like we were seeing the best of Mike Talia in that game, which I really liked. My... Um, my point I've got like notes apparently that I'm reading off but um Aaron Smith got a hat trick three tries within the first half um I just I think Aaron Smith is just one of those players that we are going to really miss when he's gone I think he is one of the greats one of the goats one of the greatest one of like the greatest players to ever play in the position that he plays I think I think the way he's been able to solidify his name in the All Blacks jersey and be that go-to number nine, uh, number, oh, is it nine or ten? Does he play nine or ten? This is really bad. Someone's going to come for me. But anyway, I just think he has really solidified his name in that jersey and it will be really sad to see him go. But yeah, he got a hat trick, which is so cool. Um, this, the, I think that obviously the game favoured the All Blacks um, because they held most of the ball. First and foremost, which allowed us to play our own game, and this is a this is a point that I really wanted to focus on because when the All Blacks are given an opportunity to play their own game, they obviously play really well. But if you switch that and turn it around and spin it on a one eighty, and we're not able to get ball to play our own game, like in that game at Twickenham versus South Af- versus South Africa, and and even in that game against France in that first opening game for the World Cup, I think when we can't play our game, we don't know how to adapt. I'm saying we again, but they don't know how to adapt, and I think it's somewhat of a concern. I think when we're able to play our own game, we're so dominant and we obviously can control the game. But I think it's just interesting that from the games that I've seen, especially this year, that when we aren't able to get 
possession of the ball and we aren't able to play our own game we just we kind of it just kind of looks like they're they can't put two plays together they can't put a phase together or yeah it's concerning but I think especially in that um, Italy game over the weekend we were able to play our own at the our own game sorry the whole 80 pretty much which is why there were so many points on the board but yeah it just it's an interesting take um Italy got their first try seven minutes into the second half and I want to talk about their opening 10 minutes of the second half because the All Blacks got a penalty early on which resulted in not much ball time in that first 10 minutes and also had um the first five or 10 minutes probably sorry the first five or 10 minutes probably wasn't the greatest and you heard from people like Steve Hansen um post-match saying that even he thought that first five or ten minutes of the second half wasn't great. And I would definitely agree with that. I don't think that first five or ten minutes was great. Um, I'm glad that we were able to get back up on our feet and get possession again and kind of play our own game again. But um, in all fairness, I don't think Italy had their best game. I don't think they played that well. I think maybe if they were able to play a bit more of their own game as well it would have been a different story but obviously the game has been and gone and all that sort of stuff but I think that first five or ten minutes into the second half I started to worry a little bit because I because at that point the score was uh, something I think going into half time this hang on I can probably check here for you guys half time the score was 49-3 so still a pretty big points gap but did I th- did I think I think in my little optimistic brain, I did think that maybe Italy could pull it back in that first five or ten minutes, and I was like, oh no, here we go, you know, we're going to struggle, but we just didn't, we were able to keep our own ball, but I'm saying this because in a game where maybe uh, we're, we're facing a stronger side, like Ireland, for example, if we're in front at the half, and we come back into the second half, and if we come back into that second half, with an attitude maybe like the boys did in that game against Italy for that first five or ten minutes. And like Steve Hansen said, I found it really interesting what he said in the post-match interview. He said that it looked like an attitude thing, and as in like the all that's were coming back from the half, from half time, feeling like they could relax a little bit. Maybe that's kind of what I was picking up from Steve Hansen when he said that. Obviously, they've got some great leadership out there on the field, and did and that leadership pulled through when they were out there and they were able to get back on track but yeah that first five or ten minutes of the second half was interesting for me and it made me worry a little bit come more maybe higher ranked opposing sides like Ireland or South Africa or whoever we meet in quarters and fingers crossed semis but yeah it was just an interesting um interesting kind of five or ten minutes Obviously, they won, so it doesn't really matter, but I think that's something that they'll be wanting to work on in the next few weeks. Um, They were just able to play free and open rugby, and it was honestly just such... Regardless of that five or ten minutes, the game that they played was just so nice to watch. The game was free-flowing. I didn't get bored, (laughs) even though they scored like 14 tries or something. I didn't get bored of them scoring. It was really nice to watch. The game was open. It was fluid. There weren't, I didn't, to be honest, I don't even think, like, apart from the ref who was riffing the game, I don't think I even noticed the TNO or the sideline refs or anything, which is, like, quite unusual in a game of rugby. Usually the TNO and the sideline refs have a lot to do in the game, but I don't really, I didn't, like, notice them too much, and I think 
it was just a testament to how the game was played and how the All Blacks were able to really command the game and command the field and um yeah it was just such a good game to watch I really enjoyed it and I'm so glad that the All Blacks got that really dominant win Bummer for Italy I think they'll be just they're obviously they're disappointed with that game but I think they didn't play their best and I think if we had versed a Italian side that maybe were playing a bit better then I think it would have been a different story. Do I think the All Blacks would have lost if they were versing a more like a more put together Italian side? No, I think they still would have won. But I definitely think the points gate wouldn't have been as big as it was. Um, moving on to the other games that were played over the weekend on Thursday, we had Uruguay and Namibia, and Uruguay won thirty six twenty six. Um, so we're actually losing Uruguay. Uh, this coming weekend um, but on Friday we had Japan and Samoa Japan won 28-22 Saturday we had New Zealand and Italy like I said New Zealand won 96-17 Sunday we had Argentina and Chile Argentina won 59-5 Sunday also we had Fiji and Georgia Fiji just won 17-12 and if Fiji had lost that one then Australia would have had a chance to make semis, uh, make quarters. Sorry, but I think, I think with that win for Fiji over Georgia, I think Australia's hopes of making it into the quarters, uh, are kind of a bit of a goner. So that's sad for Australia. Um, also on Sunday we had Scotland and Romania. Scotland won eighty four nil. Then on Monday. Uh, this morning we've had Australia and Portugal. Australia won 34-14. And currently, at the moment, South Africa are playing Tonga. And South Africa are winning 42-18. So that will be interesting to see what happens at the end of that game. Taking a break from the Rugby World Cup, because I know that was quite a long stint. Let's get into the NRL. The NRL Grand Final... <sighs> was last night, Sunday night, and I mean, I may as well just go straight out and say it, you'd be living, if you live under a rock, you probably won't know this, but um, the Panthers won over the Broncos 26-24, and in my, I just want to say, <laughs> I just want to say that I said in last week's episode, I thought the Panthers would win by a small margin. I think if I remember correctly, I said the Panthers were going to win by either four or six points. Obviously, they won by two points here, which, oh, such a close game. <laughs> it's sort of, like, I feel, like, heartbroken for the Broncos because I didn't really have... Um, I wasn't really leaning either way. I again, like I said, I was Switzerland, and I would have been happy if either either team won. But um, oh yeah, just heartbreaking for the Broncos. That again, third consecutive win, three peak for the Panthers up the pars, as the Panthers fans are saying. Um, oh, yeah, the attendance was eighty one thousand, nearly eighty two thousand at a course stadium in Sydney. I just think from watching the highlights that I watched, the atmosphere looked epic like it should be. It's a grand final. Obviously, the atmosphere is going to be epic. But yeah, I just, oh, yeah, you got to feel for the Broncos. Obviously, great win for the Panthers. Three-peat up the pars. But <laughs> um, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't really know what else to say. I think it was everything that you would have wanted from the grand final. I did think, I said, again, like I said in 
in the in last week's episode, I did say that I thought the points were going to be low, like it was going to be a low scoring game. Did I think it would be as high as 26, 24? Um, probably not. I think if anything, I thought it was going to be in the teens, maybe like 18-ish, 18, maybe like low 20s. Um, but 26, 24, like, yeah. I don't really know what else to say. Like, I just... <laughs> I don't know like it's just epic that the Panthers got a 3p and I think um they're obviously doing something right obviously I think Ivan Cleary their coach is a mastermind when it comes to leading a side to victory and I think he's there for like at least another three or four years so um they'll be happy about that but yeah I just think he's yeah, he's just done so well with that team and I think their leadership in that team is great as well and um, yeah, they're really nurturing those players so good on the Panthers and I'm heartbroken for the Broncos. At halftime, the score was 8-6 so it was a pretty it was a pretty tight first half and then um, obviously tight second half but yeah, I don't really know what else to say. Just like an epic grand final. Um, a bit like the AFL grand final as well. The AFL grand final was really close as well. Um, I think. Hang on, let me Google it. Yeah, the AFL grand final. Collingwood won 90-86 to the Brisbane Lions. So again, really close. But I think that's just what grand finals are all about. It's meant to be close. It's meant to be tight. It's meant to keep you on your seat. On the edge of your seat. And yeah. I don't know. Epic, epic weekend of score all around. Okay, let's move on to some headlines from around the world. Um, <laughs> I don't watch golf. I don't play golf. I'm not really too interested. If if we're talking about mini golf, then probably. But um, this is <laughs> this made me laugh, and I just had to put it in here. So the first headline I had is Rory McIlroy loses match, then loses temper at Ryder Cup after clashing after clash involving caddy. Rory McIlroy lost his match at the Ryder Cup, then he lost his call. In scene shorter stoke tensions ahead of Sunday singles, McIlroy accused Patrick Cantlay's caddy Joe LaCava of waving his hat in his line of vision ahead of the European star's crucial cut on the 18th green in the final four goals match on Saturday, Sunday New Zealand time. That incident prompted another angry exchange involving McIlroy as he left the Marco Simone club. McIlroy was... was McIlroy was seen to be visibly furious outside the clubhouse as Jim Mackay, the caddy for Justin Thomas, attempted to intervene. McIlroy was ushered into a waiting card by European teammate Shane Lowry, but only after clinched shouting and finger pointing. It wasn't immediately clear who <laughs> it wasn't immediately clear whom the Kilroy was aiming his anger toward, but US captain Zach Johnson said Lakada was not a part of that. I'm laughing because <laughs> the shouting and finger pointing <laughs> has absolutely sent me. Oh my god. I think what's funny about that is because when you're so used to seeing outbursts happen in rugby union and league and all that sort of stuff, it's usually like a lot of pushing and shoving and holding each other's necks of their shirts and everything and like a few hits here and there. And I just love how like in golf it's just finger pointing and shouting like that. <laughs> like obviously I shouldn't be laughing at that because physical violence is never okay. Um, but it's just, I don't know, it's just funny and I just, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, 
also the Black Ferns won against Australia. They had their second um, O'Reilly Cup test match on Saturday Arvo. They won against Australia um, at FNG Stadium and the Black Ferns won 43-3. And I've just got a little bit of a report here to talk to you guys about. The Black Ferns are garnering the the fanatical support team's dream of of and the sight of hundreds of kids scrunching to get autogos and selfies on Hamilton's t- turf was truly special. Saturday's standalone O'Reilly Cup test against Australia won 43-3 in comfortable fashion by the world champions was their first match at home since their memorable Rugby World Cup triumph last November at Eden Park. Throughout last year's tournament, there was a wave of unprecedented public interest the Black Ferns have earned simply because of their ref- simply because of the refreshing, fun personalities of the players who are happy to be their authentic selves despite pressure of elite sport. Most of them would tell you it's privileged, it's privileged pressure. After the World Cup's record-shattering crowds for women's rugby, a positive turnout of 10,700 fans with many families and young kids were at FMG Stadium Waikato for a routine Black Ferns win against a Wallaroos team that team they have never lost to in 25 tests. That wasn't really the story. Alan Gunting's Black Ferns were expected to record their latest big victory against an Australian outfit who who are miles behind New Zealand's full-time programme. After lifting the O'Reilly Cup, a tapped fence, a tape fence appeared on the pitch in Hamilton and as soon as the kids poised with their pens, posters and smartphones got the nod, they dashed together around as Black Ferns, including those not playing, walked the perimeter. I wanted to talk to you guys about that because I think I think what the Black Ferns are doing and the fan base that the Black Ferns are, are gathering is truly amazing and so exciting to see. I think I think it's a fan base that rugby in general really needs at the moment, but especially in New Zealand. And I think I think the way that the Black Ferns so you just know who they are as people. You feel like you know who they are as people. I was able to do some content with them um, a few weeks ago, a couple of their players, and it's just what you see is what you get with them. I think they're very personable and they really they really appreciate their fan base so much and um, they always have time for them, which is really cool. And yeah, I just think what they're doing is great. Right, moving on to the next headline from the round the world from the Premier League. Officials admit VAR blunder in nine land Liverpool's loss to Spurs. The referee's governing body in England admitted a significant human error after Luis, Luis Diaz had a goal ruled outside in Liverpool's 2-1 loss at, at Tottenham in the Premier League on Saturday. Diaz struck what he thought was an equaliser after Son Hyung Min had opened the scoring in the Premier League match at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. The professional game match officials l- was sorry. The professional game match officials limited or in brackets PGNOL <laughs> later admitted the mistake. The goal by Luis Diaz was disallowed the for offside by the on-field team of match officials, it said in a statement. This was a clear and obvious factual error and should have been resulted in the goal being awarded through VAR intervention. However, the VAR failed to intervene. Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp told Sky Sports after the match that the loss occurred occurred, occurred in the most unfair circumstances with crazy decisions. This is not offside when you see it, he said. The goal is between... Nose legs, they drew the line wrong and didn't judge the moment when they passed the ball right. 
Liverpool captain Virgil van Dijk said he was losing faith in the VAR system. The VAR should be absolutely clear and obvious with everything they're deciding on, he said. I'd seen this still back on live TV. There were no lines being shown. It's all a bit strange. I don't know who was in the VAR room and making that decision. It's not a good thing. It doesn't look well either. It, it is what it is. We lost. I mean, interesting. I don't watch much Premier League, but I think it's interesting when systems like the VAR and I guess the VAR would be the same sort of as the TMO and rugby but um yeah interesting cool um we've also got uh this one actually surprised me a little bit um NASCAR crew member gets struck by truck continues unscathed um one of the many unsung hero roles in any motorsport paddock is the role of pit crew member wheel changes and fuel fillers often make or break a team's race this is particularly true in the colorful world of NASCAR pit stops remain traditional with the thought like with the sports lower and middle divisions still using five stud wheels and all of NASCAR still utilising an old school jack system instead of the air jacks we see in other forms of the sport. The pit crew members themselves are often athletes in their own right, plucked from discipline like American football for their strength and competitive nature. The sheer toughness of the typical NASCAR pit crew member was underlined by an incident at this morning's NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series race, the Luds RR Stop 250 at Talagata Super Speedway. During a yellow flag period, the full field elected to take the pit lane for pit stops. Amongst them was series front runner Zane Smith. Approaching his pit box a little quickly, Smith locked his rear tyres, sending the Ford F-150 into a spin and collecting one of his own front row motorsports crew members. And there's a video here that I can probably chuck up, or a picture, sorry, I can probably chuck up on, um, audio, uh, on visual on YouTube for you. But yeah, that's kind of crazy. You never want to, obviously never want to take out your own pit crew member, but that's just, I guess it just comes with the nature with notice thought. It's pretty, um, pretty brutal. Um, coming back onto Rugby World Cup news, Eddie Jones deserves no sympathy, but the thought needs Australia to find form. This is like an opinion piece. Um, the wave of, the wave of fear spread far and wide uniting English with Welsh, Kiwis with South Africans, not since England were knocked out of their own Rugby World Cup in the cool stages has a single team's deniers caused so much merriment. And objectively, Eddie Jones, Australia being all but eliminated from the World Cup, is very funny. The hubris of appointing Jones fresh from the dismiss Dis- dismal run sorry, of results with England, promising a smash and grab raid on the tournament in an Akubra hat only to smash headlong into defeats to Fiji and Wales is delicious in the extreme. This is really weird. Nowhere will the sadistic delight be felt more acutely than inside Twickenham where so many were once in enthralled to Jones bluster and bulls. Chief Executive Bill Swinney's decision not to include a gardening leave clause in Jones' playoff after sacking him last year now, look, now looks like an astride stroke of genius rather than an act of gross incompetence. But once the laughter dies down, everyone should be extremely concerned for the state of the game down under because no country is more central to rugby's overall economy, economy sorry, in the next six years in Australia. In 2025, they host the Lions Series. In 2027, they host the Men's World Cup. In 2029, they host the Women's World Cup. That's all I'm going to read of that because I feel like that opinion piece was a bit strange. But yeah, I think, like I said, when does Eddie Jones ever not have a plan? I think he's got it all sorted. Moving on. Um, this last one is also an opinion piece and it's about Sean Johnson. Um, why Sean Johnson's deli in the snugging is Australian sports' latest underarm below. Um, 
Sean Johnson snuggling for Delhi M Player of the Year is as vicious as a blow as Trevor Chappelle's cricket underarm skullduggery. It's another kick in the guts to New Zealand Rugby League from the Australian League patricians who owe the very existence of this thought to Kiwi Vision. A generation ago, around the time of the Warriors' 2002 grand final appearance, this columnist proactively posted that Stacey Jones had eclipsed Andrew Johns. Nate Nate, an Australian, replied, rising to the bait like a Garamundi to a profit lure. Stacey's a great player, Nate, but no good is better than Joey. Nobody. If we were having that conversation today, the Lake Macquarie locals landing could be revealed. Caelan Pong is pretty good, um, but no one's been better than SJ this year. Not Nathan Cleary or Adam Reynolds or Patrick Carrigan. How Johnson could beat Cleary to, be, to, to the best halfback junker but lose the Delhi M by a single vote. The Delhi M judgy Jake makes a key politician's pledges seem credible by comparison. Ponga had his standout moments in the night's 10 match unbeaten run to the playoffs, but anyone watching the way the Warriors dispatched Newcastle in the in the elimination file, would have agreed that Johnson was the more influential individual in 2023. So you've got politics there for you. Um, but moving on to this next segment of the podcast, which I'm very excited about, which is the Bathurst 1000 preview. Golly, golly goodness. The Bathurst 1000 is without a doubt my favourite race weekend of the year. And so because I... It, like I said, it goes for like six hours. I'm glued to the couch for those six hours. And, oh, it's just so exciting. I'm so excited for Bathurst 1000. I don't think you understand. Um, The story of the mountain is 60 years in the making. There have been 59 kings of the mountain. Countless legends on and off the track. Mount Panorama, one of the most challenging of all tracks, worshipped the world over. This is Bathurst 1000. Oh, that gave me goosebumps. That's how excited I am for Bathurst 1000. Um, I'll take you through the race weekend really quickly. Um, because it is a massive endurance event, it's a thousand kilometers. Like I said, it goes for like six hours. There, are, you've you've got your like main driver, and then you've got your co-driver. Um, so the featured sessions of the weekend are on Friday. Um, they've got the armor all qualifying for race 24 as in Bathurst so Armour All Qualifying is on the Friday on the Saturday they have the top 10 shootout so the top 10 shootout is the top 10 fastest cars from qualifying on the Friday get to do a one one qualifying lap again around this around the Mount Panorama circuit and basically it's so sorry let me start again so the top 10 fastest from the qualifying on Friday they make it into the top 10 shootout they go from fastest to 10th fastest, but that's not their position. How It's however quick they go in the top 10 shootout is where they will start on the grid. But all, um, all positions from 11 to 24 or 25, they're locked in place after qualifying on Friday. It's just the top 10 who can change around their positions a bit in the top 10 shootout. Um, then on Sunday, we have the big race. The Bathurst 1000 will be racing on Sunday. I think it's, it starts at 11.15 their time. So the, uh, Bathurst is in New South Wales. So I think for us New Zealanders, we're two hours behind Sydney or New South Wales. So it will be at 1.15 our time, which is super exciting. Um, it is... Yeah, it's just one of the greatest races, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so I quickly want to talk about who do I think could win. The first person I have 
um, on the list is Brock Feeney and his co-driver Jamie Wincup. I think Brock, uh, Brock Feeney and Jamie Wincup are one of the stronger co-driver pairings in the field taking on the grid um, on Sunday. I think Jamie Wincup's experience and Brock Feeney's just pure talent I think they're going to be a threat. In terms of qualifying, obviously you want to qualify as high as you can on the grid, but I think with something like Bathurst, because it is such an endurance event, if you play your cards right, I don't think it matters too much that where you qualify. The only issue you would have with qualifying in the middle of the pack is uh, crashes early on in, um, in, in the start of the race. I know last year's Bathurst, there were like, three or four safety cars within the first like 30 laps and it was just crazy because people kept crashing and going off Conrad corner and all that sort of stuff and yeah it was like it was a crazy start to the race but that's really the only issue with qualifying midfield is you might have to negotiate some crashes but I think for the most part it doesn't like like I said, obviously you want to qualify as high as you can. Being in that top 10 shootout is crucial. But if you're a good driver, if you know the circuit well, I don't think it matters too much um, about where you qualify. I think it's more about strategy and pit stops and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I do think Brock Thiene and his co-driver Jamie Wincup have, in my opinion, the strongest chance of winning Bathurst this year, in my opinion. Moving on, I think Brody Christ- both Brody Kostecki and Will Brown, who both drive for Aerobus Coca-Cola, I think those two have been driving well all season, and I don't see why they wouldn't at this uh, at this Bathurst event. I think they've got a pretty good chance of winning as well. Then, obviously, you've got Shane Van Gisbergen. Never, never count out Shane Van Gisbergen. I think... No matter what happens in qualifying, I think he'll have a good race regardless. He's got a really great co-driver. I just think never count out Shane Langer's uh, Shane Realistically, though, and at the end of the day, with Bathurst, you just never know. There are so many factors going into this race, and I don't know. I just think anything can happen with Bathurst. Again, it's a massive endurance event. It goes for like six, nearly seven hours. It's a thousand kilometers, and... Yeah, I just you just never know with Bathurst. Do I think there are some solid front runners who I think I could win, like I just mentioned? Yes, but at the end of the day, depending on where you qualify and depending on your strategy, it's anyone's game. Um, that's it for Bathurst, and I can't wait to bring you the results for um for Bathurst next episode. Moving on to the other sport for next weekend. Obviously we've got the last round of pool play for the Rugby World Cup. On Friday we have New Zealand and Uruguay. On Saturday we've got France and Italy. That should be a pretty good game. I reckon I'll watch that one as well as the New Zealand and Uruguay one. On Sunday we've got Wales and Georgia, England and Samoa and Ireland and Scotland. Uh, on Monday, we have Japan and Argentina, Tonga and Romania, and Fiji and Portugal. And then that is all it overdone, done and dusted for Coldplay. The weekend following that, we have quarterfinal one, two, three, and four, both being played on the Sunday. Oh my god, sorry, I just got the hiccups. And Monday. <laughs> That's so weird. I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, I just cannot wait for this next weekend of Rugby World Cup pool play matches to be done and dusted so we can get into quarterfinals. I'm very excited. Oh, I don't know. I'm just so excited for so many reasons. But yeah, anyway, moving on. Um, 
actually not moving on. We're all done. We are all done for this week's podcast episode. That was another massive episode and if you stuck around to the end of this podcast episode then I do have something very exciting to let you guys in on. It will already be kind of out there once um, when this episode goes live this week on Thursday. But I am in, I am interviewing my first ever guest on the episode tomorrow. Um, his name is Ian Jones. You might know him, you may not, but he is a legend of the game here in New Zealand, especially but also globally. Um, he's played a 79 test for the All Blacks. He is one of the finest locks to ever not only put on the black jersey, but play the game in my opinion. I think um Oh, I'm so I'm so nervous for the interview tomorrow, but I'm also very excited. It is in person, so it will be like recorded the YouTube and everything. But yeah, I'm very excited and very grateful that I'm in a position where I get to take this podcast to the next level and interview players such as Ian Jones. Um, oh, I just yeah, I'm very very excited very nervous but I'm really hoping that you guys love that one and if you have any guests that you want me to interview on the podcast I and it can be from any sport as well I'm not kind of closed off to I, I really want to venture outside of rugby and league and all that sort of stuff as well so if there are any players or athletes that you want me to interview please leave me um, a comment in like the reviews section or if you're on YouTube leave a comment of who you would like to see me what is that I had like hair stuck to my nose or something please leave me a comment on YouTube or flick me a DM I want to know who you guys want me to interview I want this podcast to be as much mine as it is yours and yeah but yeah I'm very excited for tomorrow very nervous and I can't wait to bring you that one if you're so if you're listening on Thursday I'm hoping that my interview with Ian Jones will be going live on either the Sunday or the Monday so keep your eyes peeled for that I will be um I will be what do you call it what do you call it I will be um, promoting it. <laughs> I forgot what that word was called. I'll be promoting it on socials and everything. So if you're following me on Instagram or TikTok and all that sort of stuff, then I'm sure you won't miss it. But yeah, very excited, very grateful, and I can't believe it is happening. If you had asked me at the start of the year, uh, if you had told me, sorry, at the start of the year that I would have my own podcast and be interviewing legends of the game. I wouldn't have believed you at all that we're here and I'm so excited and I can't wait to take this to the next level with you guys. That is it for podcast number five. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you have an amazing week. Take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. And I will see you back here next week and also earlier than that with the Ian Jones podcast. So thank you so much for watching and listening. I will see you back here very soon. And that is it. Bye.